0: Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. Alright, we are going to do today, of course, up to last time we were doing our uh, prophetic series, so now we are back to our school of prayer. And today I want to follow up on what we did in the prophetic um, series with this particular teaching on prayer, and then we will take some time out to pray. And wherever you are joining us from, we will encourage you to join the prayer. Alright, the Lord is good. Can we take our declaration of understanding as we begin to study, if we are ready? Please just remain seated, all right? But just make sure you declare amen. All right, just remain seated. One two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. And that is what will come to you today in the name of Jesus. It will happen that the word will enter your heart. It will give you a light. If you're expecting to give me an amen. Amen. It will give you direction. It will heal you. Listen to that. It will heal you in every area. It will heal your body. From the smallest ailment to the deepest, larger, most painful ones. All of them will be healed in the name of Jesus. Every trouble of your soul will be healed in the name of Jesus. Confusion of spirit will disappear in the name of Jesus Christ. As this word of God is coming for today. Listen, it's not just letters. There's a spirit riding upon it. That spirit does not just address the very things the letters are saying. No. Sometimes it addresses things that we're not even talking about. We're not preaching on healing, but you will get healed today in Jesus' name. Something that's crucial to you, maybe even some person crucial to you that was lost will be found as a result of this word. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lost money will be found. Lost property will be found Amen. and lost persons will be found Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. You may think somebody is dead, but God kept the person alive because today this word will come forth Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, answer me, the Lord is good. All Amen. I right, quickly open your Bibles to the book of John. I want to start from there. We're back to our um, school of prayer for some... Five sessions, we brought the word of the Spirit to the church in this season. And we said a prophetic word is not necessarily predictive, even though it might be. That is, foretelling what is going to happen later may be part of it. But what makes a word prophetic is that it is exactly what God is saying at that moment. There's a world that is there's an ocean of divine understanding. There's a a sea of knowledge that we can have when we are studying the Word of God. But not everything is in front, on top, most relevant at each point in time. Something will be more relevant than others. And that's what the prophetic word addresses. And we said, as a matter of fact, things that happen around, they should tell us. Jesus said, take a lesson from the fig tree. Things you see around should let you know. If you have spiritual understanding what is going on in the realm of the Spirit... There is nothing that happens physically that just happens for no reason. There are no accidents in life. No accidents. So when we see physical things, we take instruction from them. When you find a pandemic like coronavirus, you take instruction from it. You ask yourself, what is God saying in this season? And we say that, listen, bear this in mind. One thing may be happening. What God is saying to the world is different from what he's saying to the church. Both are participating in the same events. But what he's saying to one is different from what is saying to the other. What is saying to the world is different. Of course, what is saying to the world all the time, okay, is that you need to repent, okay? I say that all the time. But for the church, I believe that what is saying to us is that we have to do our own repentance, all right, in a different dimension. We analyze a number of things that the Spirit is saying. One, return to your first love. Do the deeds you did at first. We explain that. We also establish that we have to get our doctrines right. The last portion we talked about that. Three major areas we must get our doctrines right. One, how we define success. Let's stop confusing the people of God. It is important Christians know that what they call success is different from what the world calls success. We don't compete with the world on what they call success. That is, our God is not trying to make us rich to prove that He's able. I hope you're getting my point. He's not in that competition. It's not in that competition. You know, as a young believer those days, when we learned faith, we were so sure that from what we have understood, a Christian would be the richest man in the world. And it wasn't. It was Bill Gates. So we began to lie to ourselves. It's because the descendant of Abraham is no more a descendant of Abraham than you are. Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> they say his father has heard messages that his father Abraham tithed. That's why he's the richest man in the world. Don't be, no, li- li- really, don't be fooled. Don't try to make yourself feel happy. Tithing will not make you rich. You understand? It will, it will make money come to church for what church wants to use it for. I'm not saying it is bad. It just will not make you rich. Don't fool yourself. Do you follow my point? Uh-huh. We, we came up with all kinds of doctrines that Alec Oda was blessed by Archbishop Benson Idahosa. Why is he not saved? I, I, if our head is correct, the, w- which one is more important in Archbishop Idahosa's blessing? Is he riches or salvation for his soul? You know, but we are so worldly. That's what worldliness has done to us. I wish I blessed you. I'm you not giving your life to Christ. Thirty years later, and we are bragging on the fact that he made you rich. I rant nonsense. Even if it's true, I won't quote it. Why? I'm making material wealth more important than the wealth of the soul, the man's spirit. Needs to be saved. These are the results of worldliness. When well, become so worldly, look, we are not interested in salvation of people's souls anymore. As long as they are rich. And God is tired of that nonsense doctrine. Let's sit on what is important. It's very important we get that right. Our definition of success. It's not the way the world defines success. Moses was successful when he went into the wilderness, more successful than he was when he was in Pharaoh's palace. John was successful. Jesus bragged on John. He made John superior to David, to Solomon, to Jabez, people that God had blessed materially in previous times. Yet John did not have a house, did not wear fine clothes. He ate low-cost and wild honey. Please, I hope you're getting it. Yet, John was living in the wilderness. People went there to go and meet him. The definition of success for believers is very different from the definition of success for the whole world. I don't want to preach that again. But these are the things that God is saying we should correct ourselves in. And for preachers especially, we spoke... And we said two other areas you must be careful about. Your messages, your doctrines must become Christ-centered. And number two, three, one. Remember, redefine success accurately. Number two, your doctrine must be Christ-centered. Let me quickly drop this onto I didn't say it last time. It must not be Jew-centered. Did you hear what I said? It must not be Jew-centered. Because these days, Christians have gone mental. Preachers, everything. I was watching one video. Somebody sent to me. I told my wife, i enjoyed enjoying this video. The only problem I'm having now is that this fellow wants to carry this into Judaism. God speaks to this man so and so days, so which is the first day of the Jewish calendar. You think God cares? He had this experience in the first day of the Jewish Passover. You think God still listens to that nonsense? What Paul said, don't give attention to. You think he gives attention to it? You see, you know, you just little by little, they throw it in for you. They throw it in for you. A man was coming to Enugu. They say, a descendant of the 12 tribes of Israel. I say, how can only you descend from 12, descend from 12 tribes? Then everybody's making it like, so let's go and see a Jew preach. Paul was a Jew. Yet he said, I count it as what? Dung. Then you see modern day the Christians. They have collected sheet and wrapped it in wrapping paper. Spray perfume all over it. And they are serving it to the church. I'm sorry I use that expression. That was what Paul said. That dung, you see, is just us modern translators trying to appear nice. What Paul said was a bad word. Vulgar word. Messages are no longer Christ-centered. Confused people go to, 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 to Israel to go and be baptized. You see Christians using the title like Jerusalem Pilgrim. I keep on saying, go to Udi. You are more blessed. If you go to where Christ, that's what matters. You have messages. God says, listen, make your messages Christ-centered. Not prosperity-centered. Not even healing-centered. Not centered on any other thing apart from Christ. Lift Jesus up. Don't lift any other thing up. Don't lift principles up. Lift the person, lift the person, lift the person of Christ Jesus up. That's the gospel. The third one is Christians. That is, we preachers must remind Christians, and everybody, let's go together in it. We must be heaven-minded. You must be heaven-minded. We must all be heaven-minded once more. We should become people like Paul. He will say things like, To depart and be with the Lord is far better. But if I stay around, it will mean more productive labor. For your sake, I will meet the Lord later. You need me now. So let me stay around. That is, if you told Paul, listen, don't worry, Timothy, Titus, you know all those guys, they will do the work as effectively as you. The man will have closed his eyes and died. So what am I doing here? Heaven to him was so real You see heaven more if you focus less on the earth. If every day you are watching the stock market because you are looking for investment for your future. If every day you are looking for houses for sale at half the price so you can multiply your income. If that's what you are doing every day, heaven will be dim to you. It will be dim. It will be dim. It will be dim. Let me tell you one of the ways you focus on heaven. Read the word of God. Study scriptures. Follow what Jesus said about it carefully. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Let's even assume that you only live there for a thousand years. Is that not better than the house you're struggling to build on the earth and live there for 50 years? The problem in many times that we don't believe really. I see the way Christians behave. All of us. I'm not pointing fingers at you. It's us. It's clear we don't believe enough. And that's one prayer I pray for myself. Every day I'm watching things that show that I don't believe. So I can correct those things. Please, let's bear those things in mind. We must be heaven-minded. I said it, let me say it again. Your reward is not on this earth. You are not going to blow on this earth. Stop waiting for a blow. God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. What I'm trying to say is that stop working like if I labor for some time, I will now blow. Forget the bloating. Because if you indeed blow, your life has become more complicated. Because what God expects from a blown man, I hope, that, I hope those who are listening to this at, in another generation will understand what we are saying. In case you want to know what we call blow, what we call blow is that when we have become, I don't know, you know what I mean, when we don't blow, <laughs> let's leave it like that. <laughs> Anytime you blow, God has given you more work. It's not a sign that it's now time to reward you so you can sit down and eat. The reward of a Christian is more duty to perform for the Lord on the earth. We look at it as if, ah, Joseph, he suffered in the house of Potiphar. Amen. He suffered in prison. Then one day, Joseph, is he blowed or blew? <laughs> because these are new words. We have to look for new past tense and past participle for them. <laughs> the one day, Joseph blew. Oh, okay, Joseph blew. Okay, so, so... This is a verb that doesn't change. You understand? Okay. That's the way we look at it. When God doesn't think so, that was not what happened to Joseph. What happened with Joseph was that he was faithful in doing little things. God decided to give him something bigger to do. The Joseph in the house of Potiphar slept better than the Joseph at the right hand of, of um, Pharaoh. He had more duties to perform. That's just the way it works. Don't look at somebody who, according to you, I'm, I'm giving you the gospel. I'm giving you the gospel. I'm giving you the gospel. I'm not telling you how the world reasons. I'm telling you how the gospel works. When God brings more resources to you, it's because he has given you more work to do. Even though, because part of the things he does, he gives us the Bible say all things richly to enjoy. Never think it is because, you see, I suffer at that time. It is now time to enjoy. One man of God gave a testimony. Interesting one. I just want to I don't focus on the testimony much. The lesson from it I want to show. So once he and his wife, they had to obey God in something very I think it had to do with money and stuff like that. I can't remember for sure. But they obeyed God. Then one day they went to minister to one woman who was seriously sick. And they, I think she had cancer or something. They laid hands on her, and she got healed on the spot. And they started driving by home, and they were rejoicing. Now listen to what I want to say. That the Spirit said to him, that's what he said, I wasn't there, that if they are not obeying the other one, he would not have been able to use them in this one. I don't know whether you get my point. What we call obedience, I gave you a thousand, I got 50,000, right? That's what we call reward. But what was his reward? Because you were faithful in giving out money, now I can use you to do divine healing nothing for him that is he didn't he said we are unprofitable servants he didn't gain anything personally but true believers learn to rejoice in what god can do through them and we learn that from the lord jesus christ he went to the cross he laid down his glory went to the cross suffered all right onto the point of death the death on the cross then what did he gain from it the bible says he will see the result of the travail of his soul and he will be glad that is when he saw what that his life produced he was glad so never think that, uh, you know, I'm enjoying now because I suffered then. It doesn't work like that for Christians. So. You know where your reward is? In heaven. Why you're on this earth, Why you're in this tabernacle? sometimes I hear that somebody has retired. I said me? I'm not planning to retire. No, God helping me. I pray that God will keep me strong and healthy. Yesterday, my wife and I were watching, it was yesterday, two days ago, watching a video, yeah, two, two nights ago, and we saw a woman preaching, vibrating for the Lord shouting, you know, screaming and jumping. And I can't remember the jumping part, but she was really, really vibrating and preaching and, ah, ah, they told t- the story of her life. That she had gone to funerals before and ended it, took the body out of the casket and gave them back her life. What nonsense. She had nothing like that. Like the person came back to life. What am I telling the story? She was 92. All that gyrating time we were seeing, talking and people were shouting. She was 92. That's the kind of testimony I'm looking for. Why? That's the only reason to be on the earth. Because heaven is eternally far better than this earth. That I won't want to, for one moment, that is, you know what David said? A day, how did it go again, in your courts, is better than, is it how many thousands? But you get what I'm going to say. So he said, I'd rather be a gatekeeper. You know what he was going to say? Listen, if you tell somebody, listen, look, you'll go to heaven tomorrow, today. Let's take you on a beautiful ride in the best car to the airport and then we'll fly you on the Gulf G five fifty, only you to the Bahamas and then from there no no we'll land you in the Bahamas and we'll cruise from there to Hawaii and then we'll just give us one week. Then you know you're gonna be in heaven eternally. Those who have seen heaven say this is a waste of my time. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That this one is what? A waste of my time. It's like telling me chop gravel so then you because I'm going to be chopping bread for a long time. Why would I eat the gravel? I hope you're getting my point. Like I said, okay, just eat this uncooked corn because you have plenty of sweet, well-cooked corn after. I said, why should I eat it? The earlier I get to the cooked corn, the better. Say, said, oh, sweet one is good. Say, bros, I've chopped the sweet one, the cooked one. is better. I'd rather have one million years of the good side than have 999 days of the good side with one day to test whether your own is good. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's how heaven is. Heaven has an interesting phenomenon about it. I know because I've read the scriptures and I've heard testimonies. It even, listen to what I'll say. When you get in there, it wipes away the memories of the difficult times on the earth. Because what makes things painful is memories. There are people who say that I don't go near dogs Why a dog beat me when I was a child. When you get to heaven, you will love even the lion if you could find one. Because it wipes away the memory of pain. It wipes away the memory of trouble. You won't remember a thing as being painful. You can't shed a tear in his presence. Not out of discipline. It's because everything just vanishes. So what am I saying? Let's learn to be heaven-minded. You know, we, we, we preach a very bad doctrine. It's very, very bad. Thank God I've not preached in a very long time if I preach it before I, I repent, of don't worry. Do it now. God will reward it tomorrow. And when I say, when we say that, what we mean is that how much do you have? 5,000. Give 3,000 there. Tomorrow God will make you 3 million. And then can I enjoy? I don't preach that nonsense anymore. What did I call it? Nonsense. And I mean it. I'm not joking. This is what I preach now. Bros, give. Giving is good. That's, all, that's where it ends. What will I get for it? Is this money your own? That's how I preach my own gospel now. You want to give? Give. Bring it. Let's use it for a good thing. Will God bless you as a result? That is his problem, not mine. Whether you give it or not, if you have faith, you can ask him to supply your needs. You see, the giving is not the reason why he supplied your needs. The greatest need you had, spiritual darkness, lostness, you were lost. What did you give for him to supply it? He gave you the son freely. So to give house rent is not, I mean, it's cheaper for him. I hope you're getting my point. So he doesn't need that seed seed to give you house rent. He gives you house rent because he said he will. He promised that I would do it. So it is wrong doctrine, wrong teaching to tell people give so that God can give you money for this. No. I believe I'm preaching what is right. I tell people give if you want to give. Give because you have learned that giving is good. Give because you are a blessing. You say it all the time. Abraham's blessings are mine. God blessed Abraham so he will be a blessing. Claim that by faith. It's not when you have blown, you will now start giving. No, you start from this small area where you are. Find a way to give. There are different ways to give. And don't say, I'm giving it now so that tomorrow. Because after two years of doing it, the God that I know normally won't answer you. You now start getting discouraged. Say, for everything we have given some people, you tell them to come to church. That's why they don't come. You know, it's so terrible. If you see the impression, and listen, and we'll pray about it. A lot of times, the world cracks jokes. All right? Now, I told you, I'm in a class chat group. I'm in a chat with my former classmates in university. Okay? And these are, all, these are big men. I mean, they are big men and women. I mean, think about it. We graduated in 91. That will be 30 years next year. So, they are big men and women. They are all kinds of things. You know, occupying big positions. You find former commissioners, professors all over the place. People working in different parts of the world. So, but as a kind of joke, the crap, because they, they call me pastor there. So, one guy keeps on throwing jabs. Everything I talk, he says, if like I say, tights today was not good. <laughs> if I say something that disagrees with him. You know, there, there was something I said the other day. Another one said that, I think they should open church. Because this one, the pastor is talking like this. If like I say, tide don't go down. But this way I'm going about the whole gist. They keep on joking about that. Do you know why? A lot of them, they may be joking with me, a lot of them believe I'm different, quite a number of them believe that, but generally they believe that church is just business. As far as they are concerned, the whole church thing is business. Many of them don't say anything wrong with it. They just say, that's how, that's your own trade. Now this is where I'm going. Part of the reasons why we behave like that, why they think like that, we are at fault. That's why I just laugh. Anytime they say that, all I do is laugh. I don't argue with anybody. If we believers want to talk, I know what I'll say. When they are not believers talking, talking, I just joke. When they say, oh, how far, how was today's tight? I say it was good. Of course, <laughs> we just laugh about it. Why do they think like that? It is because we talk like that. They see us all the time on television, promising all kinds of things. When the one brother afforded something to me, that when this coronavirus thing started, one pastor was preaching that, make sure your tithe and your offerings get to church, even if you can't go there. So the brother was angry that, in the face of everything, this is what you are preaching. Don't stop sending that tithe in. Don't stop sending the offering in. So unbelievers look at it, and they start laughing at us. And then they should, actually. But we don't realize that they should. We think they don't understand. Because we keep on telling them that's how we get blessed. By giving. And God has given them enough, both understanding and ignorance, so no, it's not true. So when we keep on saying it, they've made up their minds. We're not seeking anybody's good, but our own good. Believe me, if they saw us preaching sacrifice, the life of sacrifice, they wouldn't talk like that. They, they wouldn't talk like that. I think it's a bad doctrine for us to keep preaching to believers that they need to do this so they can get something. That spirit is totally wrong. The spirit is wrong. Does God bless your good works? Of course he does. Does he give back to you things that you have given? Yes, he does. But he forbids you for looking out for them. He forbids you. That is his own portion. How he rewards you is his business. That's not my main message. I'm just trying to review some things that we have said. But remember this. I just feel like dropping this one. It is not true that when you give money, God will give you money. People carry that doctrine to an extent that they start... if you see them, they want to go to church. They'll go and change the money to US dollars, because as they give God, who does not think, that's how he will give back to them. Because if I wanted to give you ten thousand Naira, me too, I can change it to ten dollars. You think I don't know how to change? You think because you gave him dollars, I must multiply it like that? Eh, I will multiply it. You come, see, come back to what it was supposed to be. What I mean is that, okay, shade. Now multiplication, what they do? No trouble. You had, you wanted to give your church thirty-six thousand Naira, right? You change it to $100, no problem. And I will plan to multiply it to, let's say, $1,000. No problem. I will also take my 360,000 naira time to give it to you. I also go and change it to what? $1,000. I'll give it to you. Then you go back and convert it It's the same thing. Don't be fooled. You think if I wanted to give you a million naira, I'll not give you a million dollars. What do we think we are up there? People who don't think. We can't do simple calculations. God does not reward material giving. He rewards the spirit behind it. What did I say? He rewards what? The spirit. If you give money, he is not compelled to give you money back. He looks at what you are giving, which is a spiritual substance. And read through your Bible. He says, He that honors me, I will do what? I will honor. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall what? Obtain mercy. If you see that, is, these are spiritual substances. That is what God, in quote, trades in. So, if you give money because you want to collect, you have not given at all. You have not given because he can see the heart. You haven't given. In case nobody told you before, let me tell you again. You have not given at all if you give because you want to collect, because he can see. He does not reward until he has assessed the motive. Until he has assessed the motive, he doesn't reward. The motive must be love for it to matter to him. What is motive of love? I come to give an offering. I drop 10,000 naira so that I can collect 100,000 naira from God later. God says, you have given to the flesh selfishly. It's for you. But if I give the same 10,000 naira because, ha, it's lockdown period. Thank God I have a regular salary. Some people don't have it. So the church said, we need to share some rice and stuff. So I want people to be able to eat so that they will not suffer during this period. That is what they call giving. Oh, I know our church, we broadcast the gospel, we print tracts, we distribute Bibles. Our missionaries go from school to school, village to village, and these things cost money. I want to be a part of that. Let it be that my resources, okay, is paying for the preaching of the gospel too. God takes that. That's an offering. And like I said the other time, when he wants to reward, the one he will reward you for, most likely you will have forgotten. The one you can remember, you too has forgotten. That's the way it works. The one you, you wrote down that, honey, how much do you give that time? 200000 and Then God will bring it. It will be a Bentley for you. <laughs> that one was dead on arrival. It was dead on arrival. I will preach it. I think I have a commission from heaven to preach that one. So that you will not be discouraged when it doesn't come. Because, Pastor Mark, you are removing people's faith. They need it removed because this is not faith. This is foolishness. We should remove it from their system. No, faith works by what? Love. So if it wasn't working by love, it's not faith. Get it clear. Many people need to go and learn how to give. Why am I sitting on that one today? You need to go. You know, there was a time I said something. And I said, minute. A lot of Christians, God said, don't give for a while. You've given too much. There are some He say three months. It, at this, I don't want to see any of it. It offering. Why? Because I, I need to remove self-confidence. Your confidence in your good works was built over such a long period of time that I need to clean it. Now anything you do, you are recording it mentally. It's your tights, it's your first seed, or what they call that one at the beginning of the year, which has no meaning. What's that one? Yeah, first fruit, which is not you know it's not scriptural. Huh? The way we practice it, God never said it. What did I say? God never said it. How can your first salary be first fruit? So those who earn every week income is your first salary for the the first week's salary. It doesn't work like that. Just in case you want to know, if it were to work like that, that even if you wanted to obey that as a law for Christians, it's supposed to be the first expenditure each time you earn money. You hear what I said? It's supposed to be the what? The first expenditure each time Each time you earn money, that is, if what you earn at the end of every month of doing business or any salary, everything is 50,000. The concept of first fruits, the way it was for the, for the Jews, the law in Israel. If we have to adapt it here, it just means that you will take the first, before you pay EEDC, before you pay Mr. Landlord, before you save money in the bank, before you pay children's school fees, before you pay Mama Put, The person who sold you rice, before you pay anybody, first thing you do must be an offering. That's the concept in the Bible. How much? Any amount you care. Can be 100 naira, can be 50 bucks, can be a thousand, can be five. Anyone you like. It just has to be what? The first. That is a concept. That if you want to obey the law, which you are not under compulsion to obey, but assuming you wanted to, I hope I'm clear. All right, but there are some people that God—they don't even do that one at all. Three months, six months, why? Then I will now bless. you. Listen to what I'm going to say. For the next three months, I will bless you with the kind of blessing I've not seen before. You will even your dog will deliver. I to be ten. <laughs> you will see goats delivering quadruplets in your backyard. Your life will be like that of Edom. I will pour such a blessing upon you. Say, Pastor Mark, and I'm not giving. God said, I know what I'm doing. At the end of the three months, when I tell you bring an offering, your offering will be clean and pure. I hope you're getting my point. It will be an offering of what? Thanksgiving. You now realize that all the blessings in your life it didn't work for you too. Mary Kay Ash said the day she made the pledge in church, she thought it would be five thousand or ten thousand dollars. It turned out, she knew the pledge was not a certain amount. It was anything the rest of you give, I will match it. So if you give $10,000, I will give another 10000 She did not realize. It was a surprise to her. She did not realize that the people would end up giving $106,000. Money she did not have. They tried to release her from the pledge. She wouldn't accept to be released. Because they knew that she didn't plan for it. So the elders had the meeting and called her. Our dear sister, you made a pledge yesterday. Yes. We've decided as a body, whatever we lose on the earth, it's losing heaven. And they were right. They said, we release you from that pledge as a church. And she said, I'm sorry. I refuse to be released. While she was still sitting down, they said, Where will like, I get $106,000? The same phone rang and her son called her and said, an investment she made some time ago. Started yielding. And that was the first report to her that her share in the first month. Now listen to me. Not of the investment. In what? The first month. There will be a second month. And in case you don't know, there are 12 months in the year. And we don't know how long it will last. That your share in the first one month is over $100,000. That's not why I'm telling this story. It's her reaction. She said that she first she went to the bank collected a loan which she knew she would pay immediately back, that when she was taking the money to, because they were going to do a, a church for their young people, children's church, that when she was taking the money to the church, that she was trembling. That's what I'm telling the story. Is that trembling? It was a humble, that is, the humility that God passed into her life. That fear, the, the, you know what they call fear of God? Fear of God came upon her. She suddenly realized that this money is not my labor. That when she was giving the money, she did not think she deserved anything. She was just strengthening that God, you are great. God, that is, she saw that. Because why did she make the pledge? She said that if people say they heard from God, that's my first time. By the time I read the book, her only experience. So when people say they hear from God, that's the only time I ever heard it. Because she was dressing up to go to church in the morning. She was in front of the mirror, applying makeup to her face. When suddenly she heard a voice strong inside her. Say, offer to double the money they will pledge today. She looked like, what? She just had it, it was strong. Just, she just heard it. Offer to double the money they will pledge in church today. She didn't know where the thought came from. She was not used to this uh, you need to hear God, you need to hear God, you need to hear God. You know, people sometimes say that you need to let the woman they didn't learn, it didn't practice it. And when she got to church, she was supposed to make the appeal. She went left, went right. After I went, she just stopped. She said, look, let me say the way it's been given to me. Anything you give today, I will double it. So when things now played out like that, she realized that <laughs> I'm not doing God a favor when I give. No. And she titled that book, that chapter in the book, she said, you can't outgive God. That's what I mean. For some of us, God said, that's what I'm going to do for you. You, are, you, you have sown seed for how many years? It hasn't worked. Okay, good. Do without the seed. You know what, you know what uh, this man did? Elijah. He poured water everywhere. <laughs> poured water. Poured water. Pour more water. They poured water on the sacrifice. Ah, sir, so we're expecting fire on this. Pour water. Sometimes like God does that to show his greatness. When God now finishes, finishes blessing you, when you come back with offering, next time they say, We will give a million naira. I say, Oh, God, I have two million. I don't have any of that, you know. But take the two million for the work you are describing. We thank God. Oh, will you now eat? Don't worry about it. God will, that when you say God will bring food, you are not. this time you're not doing it because eh, fast as I'm giving that money, hallelujah. My wife and I begin to you know, declare what, what we see. <laughs> <Pastor>. <laughs> we see like one man said, as I'm giving this offer. I'll soon give you the testimony. The last one I gave, he gave me 10 hectares of land. I said, why do you lie to the people of God? I hear preachers preach sometimes. I pinch my wife. I say, the guy is lying. He's telling lies. How did we get there? Don't worry, I know what I was saying. I was just reviewing. Remember that? So those are the things that God said we should correct. So pastors, remember, update your doctrine. You can't keep teaching babyhood doctrines. Remember, Christ-centered messages. Remember, Christians must be heaven-minded. They should be. That's what I was trying to explain. Not earthly-minded. We're not doing things for what we get on this earth. God has promised He will supply all our needs. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. So based on all of these things, I want us to just do something today. Let's I said you put somewhere, right? John chapter that's anywhere. John chapter 17. Now what I want to talk about today, I don't know how long um, I'll spend on it. I wasn't planning for it to be much longer than today anyway, but we may take it in two sessions. Because we are going to pray. I'll read from verse one. The book of John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Please, as we go on, I'll repeat some things that the Lord said and I want you to just bear those things in mind. Actually, what I'm bringing up from here is how to pray for the church. Let me quickly explain that. What we want to do is, let sorry, can I take a break and from the reading and I say what I'm trying to do? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Whatever you you don't do by faith, you can't do effectively. You understand? So if you're going to pray effectively, it has to be by what? By faith. And how does faith come? By hearing, all right? That's how faith comes. So, what I want to do, just explain the scriptures concerning prayer again. Many things that God wants to do on the earth, in fact, any positive thing God wants to do on the earth, he requires, if it's a new thing especially, he requires people to pray. When God gives a prophetic word, when God declares, even if it's a predictive word, that is like, I want to do this, I'm going to do this. I have found that over time. It doesn't mean that it will just happen automatically. Many times what he does is to prepare us for it by telling us about it. What he does is to let us know our path to play. And when we have that vision before us, we now start, listen to this, you now start praying with that thing in mind. So if God promises deliverance, He now raises a Daniel, and many of us are Daniels in that regard. He now raises a Daniel to discover that God had promised deliverance. That in seventy years I will accomplish the desolation of Jerusalem. So Daniel said, "That means we are supposed to go back." So he now began to pray. He confessed the sins of the people. What he was doing was to acknowledge the fact that God was just in bringing them into captivity, but that now the righteousness has been accomplished. The judgment has been accomplished. They need to return. And they began to pray. I hope you're getting my point. So when God gives a promise, what we do is when we find it out, it's not as if we are saying, God, um, uh, how do I say it now? Like we want to give him an idea of what to do. What we are just doing is that we are telling him that you say you will do this, do it now. Why is it like that? Because the heavens are the heavens of of the Lord. The earth he has given, let me add my own words now, into the authority of the sons of men. That is, we have authority on this earth. We need to learn to wield the authority. Let me quickly say that. We must learn it. Wielding authority that God has given you has techniques. Some things is not just words. Some, just simple words. Some is not just words. It's actions, how you live. We have authority to bring plagues into the earth or to push plagues back. Now, what do I mean? There are different ways you bring plagues into the earth. You just start sin anyhow. Start cursing God. Use your mouth anyhow. Walk in sin, iniquity. The plague will come. I hope you're getting my point. And it came because of your actions. So you had authority to bring it. But you can't get up and say, okay, drive it away. No. If you want it to go away, what do you do? You repent of your sins. You confess your sins. You acknowledge the justice of God. Very important. You don't stand up and say, where was God when coronavirus was killing us? If you say that, you will double the coronavirus intensity. What you will say is that we sinned. Therefore, all of these things have happened to us. Lord, have mercy. We repent of our sins. Then he will roll it back. There are times we will wield authority in a different manner. God gives a promise and he says you have authority. Now, ask me to do this thing. Power comes into our prayers when it aligns with the plan of God. Power comes into our prayers when it aligns with the plan of God. If God says, I'm taking my people out of captivity into Babylon. If nobody says anything, they may be there for a long time. But one Daniel rises up and says that, Lord, you said you would take your people out of captivity from Babylon back to the promised land. Do it, we ask of you. Then he will raise a Cyrus that will let the people go free. One of the things you must do with prayer is to make sure that it does not cross the will of God. It aligns. God can't be going in one direction, you go in the other direction. That is why there's no effective prayer life except there's an effective study life. I hope you're getting my point. I've seen people that say that ah, they like to pray. I say, listen, if you like to pray without li- li- liking to study, you're wasting time. Half of your prayers, maybe more than half, isn't effective. Because you cannot pray until you know what God wants to do. At least generally, the direction he's facing. That is why it is not good. And you see, let me say something again. Try not to be a witch. What's a witch? A witch is an individual that learns spiritual principles and basic rules of justice that God has placed on the earth. And is using it to get his own ends. What I mean is this. God is just. If I petition the justice of God, I come before his throne and I say to him, this man hurt me. This man has hurt me. I want him to die. I want him to die. I want him to die, die, die. If I say that long enough, that man will die. Why did he die? Three reasons. One, he sinned. Two, I became an accuser against him. Three, he did not have an intercessor protecting him. For those three reasons, the fellow will die. He doesn't make it the will of God. It makes me a witch. Did you hear what I said? So many of these testimonies we hear in churches. I began to pray, and my gra- my grandmother died. Let me just tell you something: if you know what you have done against yourself, you will not open your mouth to give that testimony, because next time you sin, if you do anything that your grandmother did, you too, you now listen I'm going to say, you too will die. I- I- I'm not the one that said this; it. Jesus said it too. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. He said, "If you do not forgive those who sin against you, neither would your." I'm not the one that said it. No, we pretend Jesus didn't say these things. So, what should you do about your grandmother that's a witch that's not letting your husband prosper? According to you, your husband is a very useless man, but you don't believe it. You think he's your grandmother. Let's leave it like that, okay? If the man doesn't tell the truth, he lies a lot, and you say his grandmother and Okay, let's even assume so. Okay, let's leave your husband for a moment. What you should do, you say to God, hmm, this is my grandmother, it's very wicked though. If she dies, dear Lord, she will go to hell. And what is all this sin she's committing in, the, in a few years for her to now die and suffer for eternity? No, please, forgive her. Let her have the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Now listen to me. Two things you have done there. One, you have opened her up, assuming she's guilty or you, you, we all know she's not guilty. We know now. It's not that prophet that told you that she's guilty, but let's just assume. What you will have done is to help her move towards salvation, number one. Number two, you will have blessed your household. Let me tell you what happens to those. Listen, if you pray like that, I didn't want to say this, but I have to say it's the truth, because some wicked people will hear this part now. They'll be using this part. If you pray like that, and she's indeed a wicked soul, your prayer cannot force an unrepentant wicked soul to repent. If she doesn't want to repent, it can't. However, it pushes the person closer to divine judgment. It does that if you, are, as if somebody is really wicked, wicked, and we pray for the fellow, and God says, "Listen, my children are praying. Let's save you." He say, "No, I will not be saved. He will keep. He will be headed." You and I'm going to say, "I've answered your prayer." Ah, but sir, the guy is dead. He said the boy you know, they hear what? We tried every salvation on him. What else do you want me to do? That's the way it works. Because, you see, there's a vengeance that God takes. You see, it? David said it, Jeremiah said it. When he had prayed for people, then he discovered how they were plotting evil against him. Now, listen I'm what they say. The spirit of vengeance now began to speak. He said, this is what will happen to such people. He said, their wives will be widows, their children will be fatherless, their homes will be desolate. That's what God does to people that you are praying for, and they are actively plotting evil against you. So, how did I get there? I know what I was saying. Yes, prayer. So, what prayer does, what we are supposed to do with prayer, is to align with what God wants to do. Okay? So, when God gives a warning, alright, even if you speak and say, this evil, in quotes now, will happen to these people because of their sins. As a prophet, you can still go back. Say, Lord, I have warned them. Can I just beg you for something? Don't kill them. That was what happened to Amos. Amos saw, he saw God preparing a plague, ah, and he was the one preaching to the people. They said, Lord, no, 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 no. They will not survive. God said, hey, you think so? He said, Lord, please. They will not survive. He said, they are so small. He said, they are so small. So God said, okay, leave it. I will not send the plague. He prepared fire. Ah, he must say, ah, Lord, I know you are angry, but must you do it like this? God said, what are you saying? He said, they will not survive. They are too small. He kept on interceding so that God would. He, he couldn't stop the judgment. Just say, don't let me die intense now. Ah, please now. Do you get what I'm going to say here? I was explaining to you before that intercession does not stop divine judgment, it only suspends it. The only thing that stops divine judgment is repentance. The only thing that stops divine j- judgment is that people change their ways and they pray by themselves. But when you pray for them, you can push away the judgment. Because sometimes judgment comes so fast, the fellow doesn't even have time to change anymore. So he said, Lord, please, please. Can you hold back small? You remember that parable? Give me one more year. Let me dig around him. That's what happens. So, like Moses as an example. God said, I will destroy them. Moses said, no. What did God do? He left them. Do you know what happened? They all still died in the wilderness. On the spot, there was no destruction. But eventually, every single one of them, 20 years and above, they still pray in the wilderness. The only bad side is that they now took Moses with them. Moses too died. You know that? So let's bear that in mind. That's the principle. So what do we do? Like God said, if I want to do something, I will have... For science sake, I won't bother opening to it, but you can read it. I think Ezekiel chapter 36. He said, this is what I will have the children of Israel ask me for. I will increase their men like a flock. That is, this is what I want to do so they can ask for it. That's the principle of intercession. Let me tell you something. Eh? If you have believed God, I had this experience. If you have believed God for something, maybe concerning your wife, your children, your business, and all of that, you know what I've noticed? Sometimes you go the opposite way. What I mean is this. You have believed that ah, God, oh, this, uh, this my uh, uh, industry, my business, will prosper. It will employ 20 people, 50 people. Within the next 10 years, Lord, uh, we should be a blessing to at least 1,000 then you're employing 20, and you're feeling very happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then coronavirus now comes. <laughs> you say, just for three months. Ah, eight months later, business has gone down so badly. You're now employing. You've laid off 12. You have eight left. And when you look at the projections, it looks like next year, you are going down to employing only five. See, you know what I found out? God heard you the first time. You know what you do? You go back to the place of prayer. I say, God, no. This is not what I asked for. This is not the promise I understood. Don't think that, ah, he didn't answer, so let's leave it. No. You go back to the place of prayer. No, Lord, this is not what we asked for. This is not what we understood. We begin to declare again. Lord, you will cause prosperity to flow towards us like a river. And the wealth of the nations that can overflow in stream. We've been blessed to be a blessing. In the midst of everything, you continue praying like that. You know what happened? Yeah, it will go down for a while, suddenly it will shoot back up. And, you know, the initial trajectory it will shoot higher than that. That if you thought you would do a 1,000 in 10 years, God can make you do 2,000 in 8 years. The point I'm making is that prayer is used to energize that which God is doing. Because this is how life is. Now let me say this quickly. We'll read our portion, right? Life is always wearing down our faith. That's the job of life around. It's always wearing down faith. When you finish believing God for divine protection, then you will hear boss... Accident in Anambra kills five, injures fifteen. You know, I think newspapers. They, 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 those guys must go to the church of Satan. I, I think they go to church of Satan. I, you know, senior pastor, CNN, Calamity News Network. Oh yeah, those guys are the dickens in the church of Satan. I think. You just, you know, they just. <laughs> you just open your newspaper. Eight hundred and fifty-six health workers test positive for coronavirus. I just saw that yesterday. You know what I do? I just open the next page. I'm not reading. Me? <coughs> Mama, why are you scaring my mother? Are you, what are you trying to do? I'll be praying that my mother wouldn't read the newspaper, and my mother in law. Because you're not psychology. You used to go to work. Why would I go to <laughs> Now, they will not tell you that not one of them died, though. They will not tell you that none is in hospital. They just tested positive. How would they, news- they say the newspaper if they don't tell you that the whole world is coming to an end? Whether you like it or not, your faith is going down. When you read that on a daily basis, faith is going down. Faith is going down. Next thing you open the newspaper again, you hear that dollar did this one, did this one, and Naira crashed against the dollar. Then one analyst will now say, Nigeria will not survive economically beyond 2021. For a lot of people, don't read the newspapers. Don't. Let people like me read it for you. <laughs> you know why? God has helped me, has a level. It doesn't worry me. In fact, once your headline is bad, I just—I yeah, don't have your time. I know what I'm looking for. I go Google. Go. I know the things I'm looking for. If you want to paint bleak the stories of doom and gloom coming, I don't read. Now, what am I talking about? It faith—that's that's what wears down faith. Every day, your faith is being worn out. I'm telling you, things are just grinding up bit by bit, and that's one reason why, after a while, what your life is being sustained by faith. Don't forget that. After a while, faith starts going down. Because it's going down, things around you start shaking. Listen, if you start falling sick often, it's not coronavirus. I've told you, none of you, none of you will get sick from coronavirus. Say amen. amen. I have prayed for you that you will not fall sick from coronavirus. Amen. What if you start falling sick little by little here and there? Don't think it's coronavirus. Just know I've not been going to church. I don't know whether I get my point. You know, because of lockdown, you spend all your lockdown time on movie magic. Because there's lockdown. You went and paid for DSTV. Because he said lockdown now. We have to watch something. Now, DSTV, they watch. Why? It's just lockdown. So in the morning, you watch CNN. After CNN, you watch... What what is that static network? MSNBC. Then after that, you move to Africa Magic. And they show you what witches can do. When you're done with Africa Magic, you watch a lot of immorality on maybe action movie. When you finish, by night... You start that money with 100 units of faith, you don't realize that it has dropped to 85. When you do that for one lockdown period, by the time they say everybody go back to work, you have 15, 15 units of faith remaining. So, if somebody stays in your face, you get pneumonia. If you're a breakfield, you jam a tree. If it happens to you like that, just know, sir, I need another lockdown. This time around, no television, nothing. Just scripture. Just scripture. Just scripture. Just scripture. Just make sure that every day, every day, you know, you and your wife should be gossiping the word of God. Though. I don't know whether you and your wife are like my wife and I, but we do a lot of talking. One day I checked it, I had spoken to my wife three hours and it was only 12 o'clock. Do you know what I said? I talked with her for three hours and it was only 12 o'clock, which means I've been talking since nine. And when my wife and I are talking, I do 75% of the talk, she does 25%. Normally you expect that the women talk more, not in my household. Even amongst the children, the girl doesn't talk as much as those boys. I think it's a, just a, it's a family thing. It runs in our family. It's in the blood. <laughs> well, I, I think it's because I'm the preacher. You know, some these, my wife will say, I understood it the first time. I said, why didn't you just say you understood? Why did you make me use five minutes to explain what you understood in the first I explain things. I can't just tell you something. I must explain it. It's the work of God in my life. Amen. <laughs> now, this is where I'm going, all right? So I thought about it a few days ago. I said, ah, let's start spending a lot of that time. We won't stop the talk. Ah, is it not marriage? How can we stop talking? Who will I not talk to? So the talk will not end in Jesus' name. But it can become more constructive. So yesterday something happened. Was it yesterday? sweetheart? was it or the first day? We talked something. Talked something. So I didn't know when I began to prophesy. The spirit hit me like this. I was in the bathroom. I was just saying, amen, amen. Amen. Okay, we're analyzing things in the country. People want to scare you. I said, no. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Man, from that point, eh, I couldn't stop. I was reading really one scripture after another. Declaring the word of God. After declaring scripture, I will prophesy things that will happen in the name of Jesus. We will not see famine. We will not see lack. God will make all grace abound towards us. We will have all sufficiency in all things. My wife was just saying, Amen. 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 When I finish my own, she begins her own also. It's a better way to use three hours. Amen. What am I going to say? Every day in life, things are trying to wear out our faith. You have a responsibility to build it up. The point I'm making is that so when the faith begins to wear down, you may not realize it, it starts affecting things around you. You start falling, you know, today now. Ah, uh, where is this other person? He's down. Why? He has malaria. You get cured of malaria. After blowing 2,500 naira, on artemisamine-related drugs. After that, you now say, your nose is blocked. Another one week. After you record one week later. Three weeks later, you say, we don't know what you ate. To. You're having a running stomach. You say, check out. In one month, from blocked nose to fever to running stomach, I don't care what you ate. Something's wrong with you. You should go back home and tell yourself, Lord, something is happening. You, you, you drove out in one week. You have jammed somebody three times. One at Otikba roundabout, One at your own gate. You brush your own car against your own gate that you have been driving through for the last three years. Someone will say, Who is doing this to me? Nobody. You are doing it to yourself. In that your faith went down, you were not careful to wake it up. I hope you're getting my point here. I want you to explain something. So, God requires our cooperation when He wants to do many things in life, He requires our cooperation. Even if he says this is negative, it's about to happen, one of the ways he reveals things to us is one. Prepare for it, or sometimes it doesn't have to happen. Pray about it. We took some five weeks talking about uh, five meetings, giving the prophetic word to the church. You don't just leave it like that. If you actually have the spirit of the prophet, what's the next thing you do? Start praying about the situation. If it wasn't important, God would not raise people up to pray Jesus into the earth. He, I, he did he not promise from Genesis about the seed of the woman? He did. Yet, he had to raise people up to pray him, guide him into the earth with their prayers. In Israel, at least two of them were mentioned for us in the immediate period. And that's Simeon and Anna. I am convinced there are many more here and there. There are prayers that Abraham prayed, God kept. Prayers that Isaiah prayed and prophesied concerning. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Jonah, all those people. Then there are many people who prayed around that period, including people like, um, what's the name of the the mother of uh, John? Elizabeth. They prayed. God added all of those together, gave us the names of two of them, and then we know that for Jesus to come, somebody also had to pray. For revival to happen in the land, you and I will pray. I hope you're getting my point. So let's talk about it briefly. Then we pray and we'll close. What does God want from the church? We have analyzed that for some time. What do you now do about it? John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that his son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, now, notice this prayer point, verse five. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, there's an important prayer there. Please note those verses. Somebody, if you, if you can't, just mark them down for me. All right. Verse five. Yeah. Okay, let me, I, I can do something here myself. Let me just, um, okay. Now, verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you give me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. Now, look at the prayers of the Lord Jesus. Verse 9, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. That is, these people are yours also. I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world. That is, that's what will happen next. And yet they themselves are in the world, like we are today. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them. That's a prayer. Can you see that? He said, Holy Father, do what? Keep them. Keep them In your name, he said, "Give keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Two prayers there. Notice verse 11. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but a son of perdition. Verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. Please notice that, that's another prayer point. To keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Notice verse 17, another prayer there. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word Is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That is for you and me. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are one. Now, notice that's the prayer point. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be in us. Notice the prayer there. So that the world may believe that you sent me. That is, the way the world will believe that Jesus is the Son of God is, first of all, by what he does in the church. I hope you're getting that. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. Please notice that prayer point. That they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them. And will make it known to them so that the love with which you loved me may be in them. And I in them. Praise the Lord. Now we're going to stop reading this one here. Now, what I, like I said, I don't know what I mentioned at the beginning. My desire was to bring um, Christians to the point of knowing what they should pray for the church of God. And first of all, for us to understand that praying for the church of God It's more important than praying for the world. It is. You can see. There is nothing that God can do with the world except He first does His work in the church. Now, we talk about it all the time, like we're talking over the last few weeks. Why don't we see some things in the church that is like miraculous power, the manifestation of the grace of God in different dimensions, the different gifts, why are they not as prominent as they should be? Jesus is here answering many of those questions. There are things that are not happening inside the church as a body. Many times, you know, you notice something. We pastors, we make this mistake of when we want to teach on prayer, we focus so much on the individual needs. Individual. In fact, sometimes we even become <coughs> competitive in our prayers. Uh, God, look at what you have done for this person. When are you going to do my own? We don't take the other person's progress as my own progress. Is competition that I, I, pastors, you know, we, we drop it little by little, so because of lack of dedication on your part. People who came to this church after you, they have made more progress than you. Without realizing it, we've divided ourselves with those words. There's competition that okay, this guy came after me. What is he doing that I have not done that God is blessing him more than he has blessed me. I don't see his progress as my own progress. Now, what am I going to say here? You see, when the Lord Jesus was going to start praying for the church, one thing he did, he emphasized again and again, is that they may be one as I and the Father are one. And on that prayer, he prayed, he said, sanctify them with your truth. Thy word is truth. He can, if you look at it, those are basically the two things he prayed about. He are things like keep them from the evil one. What I want to emphasize, emphasize is that, you see, it was always a them, them them. He wanted them to be seen as one. And he prayed for them that they would be sustained in oneness. He prayed for the church that they will not and when to talk about keeping them from the evil one what the evil one will do is to try and separate them. He's trying to separate them. Break them into little pieces. Please, I hope you're getting what I'm going to explain here. Now, so whatever God wants to do on the earth, he first has to fix his body first. And it says, before I can do it. Now, because of time, I am going to stop reading this one here. I wanted to go to the, pra- I wanted to start with the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we'll look at the prayers that Peter prayed, uh, Paul prayed, Peter prayed, even James. We add all those things together. Let me quickly say this. There's no point reinventing the wheel. What I mean is this. To pray for the church is not hard. Just open your Bible. Start from the prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the prayers of Paul, the prayers of James, John, Peter, Uh, Jude add them together listen I believe in praying in in the spirit praying in other tongues praying with groanings and all of that that is very good but even without doing that you can have effective prayer just gather these things and begin to pray them for the church let me say this to you before I step down that is important in this season what did I say that is important in this season we have preached for some days and said this is what God is saying to the people of God I don't joke anymore. I mean, I, I, when I say I, I wasn't joking before, <laughs> what I mean is that. I take those things very, very seriously. For example, now, I'm, I realize I have to preach more truth harder than before because without it, listen, nobody's going anywhere. Now, you say, Pastor only you. That's how I treat it too. Do I think I'm the one that will preach to the whole world? Yes. I thought you would laugh. Yes, thank you for laughing. That's okay. Why are you thinking so? I'll tell you. Because I have preached to people, don't assume somebody else will do it. Pretend as if you are the only one. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Now, I'm only saying that in the matter of seriousness, not, not of self-importance. It's not from an angle of self-importance. It's from the angle of what? Seriousness. Today I was listening, I got one message, all right? Okay, you know I listened to Sadhu while. you know? I got a message that he preached, all right, from um, when he came to Nigeria. And he described the purpose of Nigeria. He said, and listen to this. I've not finished I just listened to a few minutes of it before, because I just got it. He said that, I, I, I will listen to the rest. And the message was not even complete. I, I was looking for the beginning part, because it was counting. But the counting, I, the message I got started from number seven. And the message from one, two, three. So he asked number seven. I said, where is one, and two, and where is three, where is four? But the little bit I heard, he said that the purpose for which God created Nigeria that the church needs to rediscover that purpose and start pursuing it. What is the purpose? He said it is to spread the word of God to the whole of Africa and then to the rest of the world. He said that's how this country was created. When he said it, I sat up like, bros, say that again. <laughs> he said this was why this country was created. And he said, listen, there are signs of it already. He says some of the biggest ministers in the world today came from Nigeria. You understand? And he described it. But what he was not emphasized is that the church needs to rediscover that. And listen to this. And focus on it. And he said something. I said, this is so true. He said, stop building all these big, big cathedrals and building your ministries and... Do, do you get my point? That you are not doing your work. You are so concerned with building at home when you have been sent to go abroad. Let me say this. You go to the United States, Nigeria's we should be the number one largest group of black people in that country. Am I right or am I'm wrong? Immigrants, at least. Of course, we have to be. <laughs> one quarter of black people on this earth are Nigerians. You know that? Yeah, one quarter of all black people on this earth are Nigerians. Is it one quarter or even more? But we have quite plenty in number. Are you getting me? We really are. Sometimes we travel, we we'll go here and there for different reasons. But I think it is that we can travel is a sign. Somebody say amen. Yes. But why is where we misuse it? We travel because... I have a strong feeling in my my, my heart now, as I'm saying this, that if the church of God had focused on his job, we still would have traveled as much as we are traveling now, but for different reasons. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Now, the focus is that, man, man, man get to hustle. Thank you. Man get to hustle, you know? But that would be the focus would be, man, this place has been taken. Pastor Banky is preaching all over this place. Look at this. Let's go and preach somewhere else. Are you getting my point? So somebody will approach himself. You hear that one young man and his wife got up and traveled to Botswana. Before it will be, what are they looking for? Where is his job? He said, no. They found one area where the gospel is hardly preached. So they have gone there. The man went with technical aid Corps. That's Nigerian, this thing. Okay? And then he's planning to establish there. His wife will start a business. I saw that they're already applying to other books. They are starting a small church, but their focus is not even on that church. It's from there. They want to be training young people and all of that. Then when you get there and see the village, the town that he moved to, it's not as fine as Enugu where he left. But it doesn't shock you. Why? The focus this time around is what? Missions. It's not hustle. When you hear of such things, sometimes the hustle may be in a place where the currency is very strong. It may be in a place where currency is not very strong. If you think the guy is not doing well, from here we'll now start gathering money and helping him. Sometimes we we'll say, ah, what materials do you need? We'll be sending ministry materials. Before you know what's happening, he has influenced thousands, he and his wife, thousands of people in that area. His children will become citizens of that country. they it to be said that these are children of missionaries. But he didn't come there with mission, mission. They came there to take a regular job. Who will see Travel. We now start hearing that some of our brethren moved to Europe and they're imprisoned. Why they preached against some things those people? I was like, "Good persecution for the gospel's sake." We we'll now be here praying for them, not waiting for them saying, "Never send me Europe." <laughs> I hope you're getting my point here. No, I, I heard Sadu say that, and I was so just a few minutes. I don't have time to listen to the whole thing. Just a few minutes, I heard him say that. I said, "This is exactly what we are saying. This is exactly what we are saying." I was so blessed by it. That God created this country. And as I'm saying this, and these are prayer points I'm giving you. That we will pray. Let's begin to pray. Let's start off our feet. We will pray that the church, I feel like let's start with the church in this nation. Like I was saying, let's begin to, I want to start praying with, uh, let's start with the church in Nigeria. Especially because of that story I told. Let's start with Thanksgiving. Let's begin with Thanksgiving. Always start prayers with Thanksgiving. Recognize what God has done. We are not complainers. We are not complainers. We recognize what he has done. Let's begin by saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us light. Thank you for blessing your people with understanding. Thank you for taking us out of darkness and bringing us into light. Thank you for the understanding that you feed us with every day. Thank you for Jesus died for our sins and you let us know about it. You informed us about it and you caused us to believe. I want us to pray wherever you are. Begin to pray. By giving the Lord thanks. Let's thank him for we have eternal life. In him we have eternal life. Let us thank the Lord because in him we have eternal life. In Christ Jesus we have eternal life. Give him thanks because he chose us from, the, from before the foundation of this world. In Christ Jesus he chose us. And he proposed us for a brilliant destiny. I want us to specifically give thanks for the church in Nigeria. The Bible makes it clear that God set the boundaries of the nations, of the peoples of this earth, according to the number of the Israel of God. We are the Israel of God. Paul said, peace be upon the Israel of God. We are the circumcision who worship in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. That is, our confidence, our claim to being the people of God is not according to earthly or um, physical circumcision, but about circumcision of the heart which you have in Christ Jesus. Now, he says that God has drawn the boundaries according to the number of the people of God. So let's thank God for this nation, for the boundaries he drew around it. I want you to mention at least 10 states. We'll mention different ones. Nigeria has 36 states and the FCT. But mention at least 10 states because many of us are angry. Some people are still angry till tomorrow, so their prayers for the country is is not effective. Because they are angry that Nigeria is joined. But we will give thanks. Because the Lord drew the boundaries according to the number of the Israel of God. He wanted to utter the word, the church in Nigeria. So thank God for the country. Apart from the church, just thank God for the nation. Mention at least 10 states in this country. We are in one. Thank God for Enugu state because God joined it with Plato state. Thank God for. Uh, Benue State, because God joined it with Borno State. Let's thank God for Sokoto, because the Lord joined it with Lagos. We thank God for Lagos, that has been joined with Imo. We thank God for uh, River State, that God joined with Imo and joined also with um, Adamawa State. We thank God for uh, Taraba State next to it, that the Lord joined with Katsina. We thank God for Katsina, that the Lord joined with Oyo. We thank God for Oyo State, that he joined with Kaduna. We thank God for Kaduna that he joined with Ondo State. We thank God for Ondo State that he joined with um, uh, Nasarawa State. We thank God for Nasarawa that he joined with Abia State. We thank God that he joined all these states together. Let's thank the Lord for it. Let's thank the Lord for it. I want you to thank God. It's so important we give God thanks for that. Why did he do this? So he can utter one phrase, the church in Nigeria. It became a noun, a word, description, the name of a people. The church in Nigeria. And whatever country you are, you can give God thanks. Because he by himself, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the Israel of God. Give God thanks. I wanted to mention, if you are in Nigeria or you are in Nigeria and you are praying with us, mention at least 10 states, preferably see city where I did it, from different parts of the country. From northeast to southwest. From southeast to northwest. And the central states, the delta states, all the south-south states will thank God because God joined them together. Never be angry again because the work of God we are talking about. Never be angry again. It's God's work we are talking about. And there's a purpose for which he did it. There's a purpose. I want to give Kingdom what as a testimony as an example. We'll broadcast the gospel in many northern states now. Net Central, you know. We are broadcasting in, I don't know whether we're in Gombe. All right? Are we in Gombe? Okay, we are broadcasting in Gombe. We broadcast in Bauchi. We, 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 we broadcast in um, uh, Taraba. We broadcast in many of these places. Today, I was being told that I was, was supposed to play those in Benue. We broadcast in And I don't need a license from anybody. You hear me tell that oh, I'm going to Sokoto. My friend Pascal is there. He doesn't need permit from anybody. As long as he's a citizen of this country, he can go anywhere. And, and he passes in Sokoto and in Meduguri. Holding programs in Kebi. And a, a Zanfara. Because there is a church in Nigeria. Give God thanks again for that. We we're, were raised up for the sake of God's truth. We are raised up for the sake of God's truth. We were raised up. God raised this nation up for the sake of his truth. Let us thank God for that. Please don't believe those lies people tell you. Nigeria was founded in the bottom of the Atlantic. Well, if that was where God had his meeting, that's his own decision. But don't give me an impression that it's occultic powers that did that. They don't have that power. God is the one that sets the boundaries of the nations. Let's give all thanks. Let us give the Lord thanks. Let us give the Lord thanks. thanks. Let us give the law thanks. It's so important. Thank God because evil forces have tried to break this country apart and they are still trying. Declare with God. Remember, we are praying in accordance, in alignment with the plan of God. Declare with God that they will not succeed. Declare with God they will not succeed. Please, I don't want to think Hausa and um, uh, Southerners, nothing like that. Think Christians in the north, Christians in the south. I hope you're getting my point here. The people of God, think of them. Think of them. You hear of Issa Buba, He's is from Bono State. You hear of Chris Delvan. He's from Kaduna State. They are brethren in the north. There are people born in the south, but they minister in the north. People like Pastor Courage. They are there. Kaduna is full of them and These are the people you know. There are so many. In Look, for certain reasons, I know about little, little ones here and there. Little in the eyes of men, but big in the eyes of God. They are in small towns. They are in small villages. And they need permit from nobody. I want us to take a minute. I just feel like taking a break, please. We'll give the Lord thanks. Amen? Those small, small people in those small towns and villages in different parts of Nigeria, especially in the north, pray for them that the Lord will keep them. I want us to pray. Pray that the Lord will protect them that the Lord will provide for them. We'll get back to our main prayer, but because I mentioned that, I just want us to pray for them. Just speak single words. If you want to pray in the spirit, go ahead and do that. But you can just utter simple words. Say, Lord, your servants, who are in the small towns and villages in northern Nigeria, northeast Nigeria, north central, northwest, even small towns and villages in southern Nigeria, Lord, we are praying for them, that you will keep them, that the evil one will not touch them, that, Lord, you will keep them even when they are alone. You will keep their souls. And, Lord, keep their bodies. Protect their spouses. Husband and wife be protected. Ask God to protect them. Just say, Lord, protect them. Let them not be hurt. Keep them from injury. There are many people that don't like them. There are Islamists who are thinking they should wipe them off the surface of this earth. Say, so, let, let those counsels not stand. Quote the word of God for them. Say, Lord, this is the heritage of the servants of God. No weapon that is fashioned against them will prosper. Every mouth that rises against them in judgment will be condemned. We condemn every mouth that rises against them in judgment. We shut them up by the power of the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over their lives, over their shortcomings. We know they may not have done everything right. We say, Lord, forgive their sins. We know they may not have done everything right. But we say, Lord, forgive their sins. Don't let the voice of the accuser stand strong against them in your presence. But, Lord, by the power of the shed blood of Jesus, forgive their sins. And, Lord, keep them physically. Keep them materially. Don't let them go in hunger in the name of Jesus. Bless their children. Bless their ministries. As they travel through the valley of the shadow of death, let them not fear any evil. Lord, be with them. Be their God. Be their defense. Be their help. Uphold them with your right hand of righteousness. In the name of Jesus, let their labors, Lord, not be in vain. Lord, put your words of power in their mouths. We ask in the name of Jesus. Lord, when they mention the name of Jesus, do signs and wonders. Pray that prayer for them. Lord, let that ministry in that small town, somewhere in Zanfara State, that small town, somewhere in Sokoto, that small town, that village, let it be full of power. Let the people, from the, the people in that place know that this is where the power of the true God is. Lord, in the name of Jesus, send them help. Send them things that they need they don't even know they need. Send them things that they need that they're asking you for. Lord, raise helpers from them, for them. Raise helpers. Lord, raise helpers. Lord, raise helpers. In the name of Jesus, bless your people. Bless your servants. Quote that scripture again for them. This is the heritage of the servants of God. No weapon that is formed against them will prosper. That's what Isaiah said. He says the heritage of the servants of God. And their righteousness is of me. That is not because they have done everything right, but because I forgive their sins. I pray for those people. Pray for them. That anytime they feel alone, the angels of God will surround them with God's presence. That the angels will wear human body and appear to them and encourage them. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. You know, we went into that prayer point trying to bring out something. Or something. That don't want us to also think because a typical Nigerian, like I said, faith gets worn down every day. Give me a moment to explain something. God will judge you and punish you if you say you're a Christian. And you you have tribalism in your mind. I'm happy you didn't say amen because nobody wants judgment. But you will repent in Jesus' name. Say that amen now. If you see a Christian, never see where he came from. If you can't see Christ in me above any other thing, you are an idiot. Only one of our sisters, she got on my nerves. Why? We organized a surprise birthday party for my wife. Early morning, you know, I'm a master of surprises, amen? Praise God, I got an anointing to surprise, amen? If you want to surprise your wife, please just come and see me, amen? I know what to do. Anyway, that morning, Sha, I got that, I just sent messages message around to a lot of Kingdom World people and some of our friends. That's my wife's birthday. Let's surprise her. So before she woke up, well, before she came out of the bedroom, brethren were downstairs already. We had quickly made some arrangements. The, you know, refreshments came from outside, not from the house. So she never saw me do every, anything. So and I encourage people to please bring her a small gift, no matter what, how little it is. So that she woke up that morning, it was, it was you know, you get my point, by 7 a.m., you know, I'm going to So when I posted the pictures, and one of our sisters said something. We're like, ah, and the people were just saying, like, how did you pull this up? early morning? You know, because people say I have to go to work. Quickly, we did it, and then people started dispersing. Like, how did you manage this early morning? Somebody now said that, ah, you don't know Pastor Banky. Now, Yoruba man grew their body. If you see offense in my soul. Let me say something to you. Until I met my wife, I didn't used to do parties. My last birthday party before I got to university was when I turned eight. I don't do parties. I learned to celebrate because I found the scriptures that clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph, is one of the commandments that God was telling people to celebrate. If you see, God, people, God has people to celebrate victory. When I saw it, I was angry. I learned to celebrate from scriptures. So I fired back. I said, sorry, my sister. I am a Christian. That's my tribe. That's my tribe. I was privileged to go to the University of Benin, God surrounded me with people from everywhere. And he, even after we have dispersed here and there, he held it today. I got married. My, my, my best man is from Uma here. I've been to his village. You know, my wife, the only person she has ever, she ever, has ever reported me to, that my husband did me bad, is from Imo State. I hope I get my point. And you know, I don't look at them any other way that they are my brethren. Americans talk about racism. Tell my wife, there's no racism in America if, you, if it's not there in the church. Is the church that is the cause of racism? Is the cause, is it is the church, is the church, is the church. If the church can end it, the world will follow. I see America following suit within 50 years. They will wipe out the memory of it. A man was made a, a general Basia of an assembly. He said, "Now the voice of the nobleman will be heard." I said, "May God demote you." If I was there, I will pray they would demote you within a week. Let them call it tribalism. I don't care. A church that is spread all over the country, and you want to come and give us the voice of a nobleman? Are you a fool? Huh. That's when I heard it. I said, "My God." Look, lucky I wasn't there. That one, I will take it home. I said, Father God, you must, you must remove this man. You must remove this man. Because people like you, that cause unnecessary divisions. You step into the place, you start making people suspicious of your appointments, of your decisions. And somebody will give a recording and say, look at what he said now when he was appointed. Let me tell you, you don't belong to your so-called village. You belong to Christ. You don't owe your village anything. You owe Christ everything. Anyway, it says to you go, you go. Listen, people of God, if you want to think of Nigeria, please let, let the world do their world thing. You know, they are the world. They are the world. So they should be world. I hope you get my point. But it is an evil thing. If the church now starts behaving like them. When you analyze politics, analyze politics with the mind of God. Why are they appoint somebody into power? You know, some people, my, I told my classmates, they called me APC pastor. One day I sat down and I told them, I did not vote for APC. In case you do not know. And I had my reasons. I didn't vote for them. But once God found it in his wisdom to put this man in power, the day of inauguration, he collected my loyalty 100%. When he was, you all witnesses, when he was sick here, we prayed for him every time. We prayed for him every time. And one brother sent me the prophetic word that they had the vision. And they saw arrows being fired at the man from the back. And it was coming from a building. And the building was a church. And some began to cut the arrows, cut, no, cut the ropes, cut the arrows, pull them out. And they were Christians also. And when they had removed all the arrows, God looked at them and blessed them. You do I like him? What does it matter? He is God's anointed man for the hour. I have a friend in the United States. He said, "Banky, He said, I decided to support Donald Trump. I said, why? He said, I know he doesn't wish me well. He's a Nigerian. Whether he's right or wrong, that's not what we're discussing. He said, why are you supporting? He said, because I have found out that God has chosen him for now. God, nonsense. We have to, back. when I speak some strong words, my wife gets a bit, you know, <laughs> edgy. But sweetheart, I have to. You have to wake Christians up. When you see tribalism amongst Christians, you just be ashamed. A man, supposed preacher, went to a building and said, Why are people spending this money in a, in a ministry that does not belong to our brother? How can a minister is it TV Joshua or or, or what or David Elijah we're talking about here? We are talking a real preacher, but it's not our brother. So why are you spending money in his ministry? As if the man is trying to carry the building to his village. Listen, when you want to think Nigeria now, from now on, I give you the commandment of God. Don't think about it geopolitically. No, 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 no. Buari appointed Gambari. Why did not appoint um, maybe one uh, Chukwemeka? I don't know. Then he said, the man is from Ilan. Don't mind them, he's not from Ilan. He said, Fulani in Ilan. That that Bwari name is deceptive. You know, when he's evil analyze. I say Kufadai, <laughs> Then they started forwarding some negative things written about the man. So, the, people that are following positive on clash of, you know, opinions. And we'll be forwarding it, forwarding it. they Look at the kind of person he is. I said, do you know, do, how, how are you sure you did not take somebody's wife? What I mean is that maybe that bro wanted to marry one woman. And these guys are unbelievers. So, maybe they are changing the same game when they were in missions. That's a foreign. Emissions. You don't know. You want to just believe one man's story. Money does not concern me. I have a duty to invoke the power of God into the situation. How do I invoke it? By faith. And what do I mean by faith? I get on my knees. The power belongs to God. I start declaring it. The power belongs to God. The power belongs to God. You rule, Father, in the affairs of this nation. You set upon the kingdoms, whomsoever you wish. Even the least likely. Lord, the power belongs to you. If we declare that regularly, if God, if God didn't want that man, too bad if you enter an office that God doesn't want you to be in, you know, it's not a nice experience. He will give you reasons to go. If you don't go, you will go. If you know what I mean. The right prince said he was praying for the events to be turned in the northern, in, in the war in North Africa during the second world war. He said to God, give us officers through whom you will be able to give us victory in this war for your glory. He kept on praying those prayers, quoting scriptures and praying. Then one day, the war council in UK decided to remove the man who was commanding the uh, Allied forces in North Africa. They removed the man and decided to replace him. Because that time, Rommel, the the, the German general, was dealing them harsh blows. They were retreating and retreating, and he was in the army. They were retreating all the time. So he began to pray. So those guys sat and said, No, we need to change the course of this war. So what do we do? We send another commander. So they withdrew the commander and sent another one. The reference had been praying. You know what happened? That man wanted to land. His plane crashed, landed. He fell out of the plane, broke his neck, and died. You know what God said? That's not my man. That's not my man. Then, with this time around, without consulting anybody, Winston Churchill was in a hurry. So he had to appoint without consultation. So he appointed an unknown general, Montgomery, who was a, was a son of a minister of the gospel. That man came, according to the request, he shook the whole place upside down, disciplined the officers, reintroduced discipline, and before they go to battle, he prays. When they were going for the decisive battle, battle of Ad Alamein, he said, the man gathered the soldiers. And they began to pray. I've forgotten how said the prayer. God, the man of war, give us victory in this battle for your own glory. The man gathered the soldiers to pray because they, before they launched their assault against the Germans. At the father that he was into to radio one day and he heard the reporter give the account of what happened. He, and God, the Holy Spirit said to him, that's the answer to your prayer. Why did I tell the story? God wanted Montgomery, the council of war, first appointed under general. He tried to land, he died. That's how we invoke faith into every situation. Don't be analyzing politics like an ignoramus. With the spiritual understanding you have, no, you can't. When Buhari won the, the election, I gave thanks. I didn't vote for him, but I gave thanks. And I began to pray for him that the will of God will be done by his hands. That's what I owe him. If he doesn't do, want to do the will of God, God knows how to remove people. I remember when Gerard Abacha was in power, one day when they were came for me, people began to insult him. I was angry with one brother who was talking. I said, will you stop that? I was getting the opportunity to preach after. I said to Chris, I said, listen, you don't insult your head of state. It's against the word of God. You don't have to agree with him. I said, if God is tired of him, you remove him. I said this first of May thereabouts. When did the man die? Few weeks later, he was gone. I didn't kill him. I didn't intend for him to die. I was just explaining to people, do your part. Let it be, you can say, no, there's some things I say once in a while and pray. I say, Lord, there are things I don't want, I I want to be able to say, God, this one, I didn't join them. This one, I didn't join them. Small things. It can be traffic light. Anytime I see traffic light turn red, I stop there. Say, no, no, let us be amongst the people that introduce what? Order. I will stay there. Everybody go, move, move, move. I'm not moving. Leave me here. It's prayer. You think I'm just, it's not traffic light. I'm praying. My my standing, my stopping is prayer. There are things to just reveal and say, No, I won't join. God is my witness. Me, insult the head of state, it has not come from my mouth since the days of Babangida. In case you don't know, I'm talking about for over 30 years, I have not insulted one Nigeria head of state in over 30 years. If I have nothing to say, I say nothing. So now people from the northeast. If I abuse him, will he not appoint from the south? Uh, what the, what's, My local government is a no good not, Abhi. Will he not come to a no good not to appoint? He won't. He won't even know I'm insulting him. I'll just be offending God. So, I do something. I do what? Zip my mouth. My message, however, is that when you want to think of Nigeria, please, don't think of all these things. Think of the church in Sokoto being tied to the church in Anambra. The church in Kebi being tied to the one in Abia. The church in Nasarawa. Entwined with the one in Delta. The church in Katina, linked, And they are everywhere. I hope you understand that. Linked intricately, inseparably with the one in Ogun State. Think like that. There are words that will not come from your mouth. When they say, break this country, remember that banking will not need a visa or something like that. A passport to go to Kaduna to preach. Where before? We just fly to Abuja, enter a car. We are there. Total traveling time, three hours. Now, I'll now be having to stop at the border to show that I'm a preacher of the gospel. And if it's Katina, they say, go back. Because they don't want me. Think like that. Look, let's go home. First of all, let's give thanks again. Say, Lord, I thank you for the church of God in Nigeria. Give thanks. And then begin to pray. Say, Lord, Let the church do its work. Lord, pour that spirit of purpose upon this church again. Say, Lord, pour that spirit of purpose upon the church again. You heard it. They said the church is supposed to take the word of God to the whole of Africa. You heard the prophet say it. That the nation was created. Was created to carry the gospel to the rest of the world. Before we close, please just add one prayer point. Say, Lord, send laborers into this harvest field. And add one word to it. Say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Don't finish the prayer without that one. No. Say, Lord, send laborers. because You can't be telling him to send me. You don't say, say, Lord, send, send my neighbors. No, 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 no. Lord, send laborers into this harvest field. And say to him, Lord, send me here. Lord, send me here. Send me. I yield myself to your purpose. I don't want to use the word volunteer. You are not a volunteer. You are already in the army. I hope you are getting my point. I just yield myself to your purpose. Here am I. Send me. Let's give a lot of thanks. We'll continue for this point. Praying for the church. We have to pray for the church of God in Nigeria. We'll continue for this point. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Can you just declare after I'm saying the name of Jesus? Jesus. Say, the earth is the Lord's Lord's, and the fullness thereof. thereof. Is God over this land? land. Say say it as a citizen of this nation. nation, I declare declare, rule in the midst of your people. people. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, As as a citizen of this nation, I declare rule in the midst of your people. I say over Nigeria, Jesus is Lord. Say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say it four more times. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And one more time, Jesus is Lord. Say the church of God in this nation, we do the will of God. It will be united It will spread the gospel. It will be heavenly minded. It will be Christ centered. See, as a member of that church, I declare that the church in this nation is united. The church in this nation is not broken, it is not broken along tribal lines, it is not broken along class lines. That is some people are church in the poor area, church in the rich. No, they are not broken along those lines at all. Say in the name of Jesus, Jesus. there is one body, there is one one purpose, purpose. and the purpose of God we will serve. serve. Declare the purpose of God, we will serve it. In the name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord. Let's just say, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed.